You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Welcome to session three of the Village Gate, talking uh, this time about mission. We've talked about gospel talked about community uh, in the first two sessions, and this time we're talking about the mission of the church and how that plays out here at the village. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors of the village, and with me is uh, Matt Tucker and Michael Graham, uh, two other pastors of the village as well. You guys can say hi, hello. Hello, and howdy. How do you do? (laughs) Greetings to you and yours. Um, We are uh, just going to jump in uh, and explore this. So if you've not listened to the first two sessions, we would encourage you to do so. Um, They are like separate. You could listen to them on their own, but um, I think it's helpful to kind of start with one and go to the second uh, and then listen to this one last. Uh, Could just be helpful. Um, So we'll just start out uh, talking about mission. And so uh, what is the mission of the church? Super. That's easy. Gosh. Got that. Matt, go ahead. I mean, I uh, practically left that out perfectly, so I don't. Um, we talk about it all the time in a couple of different ways, but you might know some of these um, expressions or sentences from the stage a lot. We say we want to love the Lord and our neighbor. We want to live out of the scriptures and then move to engage our culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And out of that, that kind of defines how we um, live our life as a Christian. Um, first of all, we love God. And then we don't stay there, though. It'd be easy to sit there, but then we desire to then love our neighbor as ourselves, as we love Christ, and then we desire to then move out into our culture to share the hope that we have with people that don't know that yet. And then from there, um, we would use a phrase like, hey, we desire at the Village Church to make mature and multiply, multiply disciples. And that comes from the Great Commission, which Jesus gave us in, in Matthew 28. And uh, just breaking that down a little bit, we desire to make... Um, new disciples. That's that's you know by God's grace, He saves people, and we do play a part in sharing our faith with others. We mature disciples by God's grace as we um, share with them God's word. We we they come to Sunday gatherings, they connect in community group, they are involved in discipleship opportunities, and they grow in the faith. They learn who God is, and by God's grace, over time, they as well then will be able to multiply themselves, and the kind of the um, spiral continues. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I love, <clears throat> Scott, and you're kind of re-formatting um, the stuff you put uh, around that. Again, if you're following along in the guide, love the Lord and our neighbor is the great, essentially the great commandments to live in light of the scriptures. That's our rule of faith, and we've talked about that in other podcasts as well. Um, that is the scriptures as our highest authority, and then the great commission being, man, us. Really what we're talking about today is, is um, moving to engage our culture. Uh, in the book, uh, What is the Mission of the Church? It has all the answers to this question. Um, Kevin DeYoung and Greg <clears throat> Gilbert, at the end of the first chapter, they say, um, essentially, it's, it's a summary, but um, in short, we will argue that the mission of the church is summarized in the Great Commission passages. The climactic marching orders Jesus issues at the end of the Gospels and at the beginning of Acts. We believe the church is sent into the world to witness to Jesus by proclaiming the gospel and making disciples of all nations. This is our task. This is our unique and central calling. And in the beginning of chapter 2, they say, um, man, as we try to say, um, uh, it is 
not everything we do in Jesus' name nor everything we do in obedience to Christ. Mission is the task we are given to fulfill. It's what Jesus sends us into the world to do. And if we want to figure out what Jesus sends disciples into the world to do, we think the best place to start is the Great Commission. And so, man, all that summed up. Some of it's our language, but really it's the heartbeat of Jesus saying, go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. That is what drives. Uh, and there's a ton of other things that we get to do and, mm -hmm. and live for, uh, for God's glory and worship and joy and, and all those things. But in terms of what we get to do, we get to make much of Jesus. Go and make disciples. Yeah. We use that phrase, make, mature, multiply, not to add something to the yes. Great Commission, you know, because you go and make disciples. Um, but because he goes on to say, like, he, how we do that is by baptizing them mm -hmm. in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's that's conversion. That's people who weren't disciples before becoming mm -hmm. disciples of Jesus. But then he goes on to say, like, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded yeah. you, which is literally, like, it's not, it's a, it's, that's an all of life for the rest of your life sort of thing. That, that is the maturing piece of it. Um, and it's not just head knowledge, but it is, uh, like we talked about a bit last time, it's translating a way of life to someone as well. And part of that is like, part, part of observing what Jesus has commanded us is to actually go make disciples, which mm -hmm. is the multiplication piece. So we, we use that phrase not to add something more because the, the, the Great Commission isn't sufficient in and of itself, but because that it's an easy way to remember mm -hmm. like the pieces of it and what that calls us to do, to evangelize you know, people that don't know Jesus yet, but also then to participate um, in the mission through the, the community of the local church to continue to grow you know, as followers of Jesus. So That's great. Um, so how do we do that here uh, at the village? Um, how do we actually make mature and multiply disciples? What's that look like? Um, one of the first ways we do that is by just, we would use the word of maybe plant. Um, Scott, in this thing, you do a great job at talking about context and, and Jesus. Um, when he spoke to his disciples or, or other groups of people, he would use the language of the day and gardening, all that stuff. And so we kind of take from what he did. And so we talk about planting the gospel in the lives of others. And so when it comes to um, someone who doesn't know Christ, our, our desire is to share the gospel with them. It's, it's not to say you need to look differently, you need to do this thing, or you need to be like that, but it's saying, gosh, they don't know Jesus. They don't have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. And so our desire is to share with them the good news of what Jesus has done and who he is. And then from there, by God's grace, you know, Lord willing, they would accept that, they would believe that, they would make Jesus their king. And the good news is that the gospel doesn't stop there, but it's still appropriate and needed for the rest of their lives as well. Mm -hmm. um, the gospel is not just for salvation, we would say, but it's for also all of life because all of life, we are continuing to be sanctified. We um, are free from like the penalty of sin, but we still wrestle with sin from time to time. And so the gospel continues to help us to think rightly, to, to believe um, that what Jesus said in the Bible is the best way to live to honor God and also just to engage with those that we interact with. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, we, we plant the gospel in people's hearts, uh, at least with our words as best we can. Pray for God to do the rest. Uh, we also plant groups as a church. So again, we talked last time about the significance of community and the fact that when God saves us, uh, we don't just gain a new father in God, but we also gain brothers and sisters, gain a, a whole family. Uh, that he's called to himself. And so we desire to, to live in that family, to live in community. Uh, so certainly if we're 
sharing the gospel, if we're inviting people to a new life in Christ, then we're also going to invite them into our lives, mm-hmm. into life of the community, which means, man, like if we are gathering regularly in community groups uh, and, and if we're inviting more people into that, we're going to, to need some more groups. We're going to need yeah. more space in order to gather in a healthy way, um, a logistically practical way uh, in community. So we desire to plant new groups. So we have so many and we hope to, to, to have more one day to raise mm-hmm. up leaders um, that can care for and lead new groups of people as more and more people are brought into the local church. So, um, so yeah, we plant the gospel, we plant groups. It's uh, one way we try to do that. And then uh, Mike, you want to talk about the third? Yeah, we plant, plant churches. <clears throat> uh, we uh, we are a church plant, and we're uh, going on 11 years old now. Um, and so we want to, as a part of who we are, and we see in the scriptures that, like, gosh, that's what Paul did. That's what uh, the, the early apostles and the early disciples went about the business of multiplying the local church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's uh, a, a sweet expression of God's universal church. And... And so how do we do that? Well, we, we actually just, we have, uh, at the time of this recording, sent out three dozen churches. That, that is not true. We sent out, <laughs> sent like, out one. <laughs> that's like, man, that's, that's awesome. Amazing. That's where all our money's going. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, we sent out one church, and uh, that's Cedar City in, in Lebanon, Ohio, and we're excited about that. But really, that is just part of what we uh, desire to do, and so... Um, we want to come alongside other opportunities. We do that through X29, which is a church planting network that's been incredibly helpful, both relationally, strategically, uh, for our souls, and, and in many other ways, um, to know churches and pastors that are in places similar to, to where we are, or, or places further along down the line, or, or, mm-hmm. or at this point, we're now getting to kind of come alongside others. Yeah. And yeah with some wisdom that we might have gained along the way. And so um, that's a sweet opportunity. And so we're, then we're regularly looking for opportunities to come alongside maybe financially or in some other way. Um, and then we, we desire to send more churches out. And so that's painful. Um, you know, when we, we plant groups and we, we celebrate that, that comes with pain mm-hmm. as the gospel multiplies. And, and um, you can't have a small group of 50 people. And yeah. so like... Yeah. And, and so those groups have to multiply, and, and that means that relationships shift and all those things, and that's true for churches as well. Um, and all that really points to this idea that, that um, we're, all of those things are, are building and flowing from culture. Um, when we plant the gospel and we celebrate baptism new life, that's culture building to say, mm-hmm. wow, that's like... Mm-hmm. That, that's awesome. Um, man, I, I once received this gospel, mm-hmm. and now others get to... When we plant groups, that's building culture and saying, gosh, you know, sometimes that, that growth is tough. Um, when we plant churches, we send them out. That's part of that. And so it, it builds that culture and it also flows through a culture that says the mission of the church is much greater than my comfort. It's much greater than, than uh, the, the church that, uh, that I want or that I need because uh, the church might look a, a million different ways, um, our church. And so, yeah, culture is a big part of that. Yeah. Um, I want to hit on uh, a piece uh, on the first page of the mission stuff, just talking a little bit more about uh, a culture of planting and what that means uh, for us as a church. There's four little bullets on that. Um, man, that we get to we, we cultivate dependence on God, not on personalities. So uh, while man, we say we want people to be connected to the local church, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's no 
such thing as like a lone wolf, lone ranger sort of Christian. We need to be, uh, you know, in community with one another. Like, like the village church is not the church. We've mm-hmm. talked about that uh, before, but we want to cultivate dependence not on Michael, Matt, Scott, and Adam, but on the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, which is significantly different. It means we reduce our significance yeah. and you know make God bigger. Uh, we raise up new leaders and give away ownership. So again, that means that like we invite people to take risks. Uh, we give the keys to people to do things, to lead things in the church, uh, influence all that stuff, which can be scary, you know, <laughs> if, uh, especially like as, uh, those of us here around this particular table who have labored to like build a thing alongside the Lord, um, to give that away. But that's, that is how you cultivate leadership. Mm-hmm. You have to give that away. Um, we send out healthiest members. Uh, so when we plant a church or when we plant a new group, we don't say, okay, like what's the fat that we can trim, you know, and then, and then send that out. Who are the people that we can get by, uh, the best without, you know, it's no, who are the best, uh, qualified, who is God calling to be a part of this thing, who is trained and ready and equipped. Uh, and and that means we send away Mm -hmm. some of like, you know, the people who have been most, uh, incremental in, in actually, or instrumental in making things happen here at the village. We send those people out. Uh, and we welcome disruption in relationships and rhythms for the sake of the gospel. We, we've talked in the past about having gospel goodbyes, you know, frequently when we're sending people to, you know, a new church or a new city, or we're saying goodbye to people in our group because they're going to plant a new one, or we're planting a new church and we're having to say goodbye to huge mm-hmm. swaths of people in our church because they're going to do something else. Like that disruption uh, is, uh, it is, it is painful and it can be sad and all those things, but it's also something that we expect and we prepare for because that is the nature of the mission is for us to, to go and make disciples, not just continue to invite uh, people in to, mm-hmm. to come and see what we're doing. So you yeah. welcome disruption. You said that, not me. So I just know. remember that. <laughs> I, I just read what's uh, written there. You we know. let Scott deal with the disruption. <laughs> He's like, I just read what I wrote. <laughs> I don't actually believe it. That's a good point. <laughs> no. Good point. Cool. Uh, so that's kind of like how we see stuff flesh out here at the village, um, within kind of our culture and all that. Uh, there is a sense of how do we live, um, as our own church culture in, uh, an unbelieving world, like in a culture in and of itself that's different. Um, would you guys say like, how, how should we live in an unbelieving world in the midst of culture? Yeah. I mean, I think it, like everything else, there's a spectrum and the, there's one would be like the, the Benedict benedictine way where you just go a hermit in the mountains and you you know read the bible and study it all day long and um like me yeah like scott does (laughs) (laughs) where have you been all week and um (laughs) and 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 pray and and like do do many things that are holy and, and separate yourself completely from the world around you that might corrupt or whatever um the other side of that would be just the opposite it would be uh, that the church would be entrenched in worldliness and it would look no different uh, than the world. Mm-hmm. And so uh, theologically, both of those things for us, uh, or, or maybe I would say, um, well, theologically and missiologically, they pose problems. Um, the problems for the, the kind of monk side of things, the problems aren't outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just lure what's already in you. Uh, and so whether you're in the mountains in a cave or you're in the big city, you have a problem, and it's sin inside mm. of you. Um, the, the other side is is that we're to be salt and light. We're, we're to season the earth around us. We're to, to bring, uh, as Israel was to be a lighthouse to the darkness around it, we get to do that as the church. And so there's a, spe- a spectrum, and the third way would be, gosh, we get to be uh, not of, but sent into the world. Um, and so one just 
kind of simple way for years and years and years we've talked about this is we get to receive, reject, and redeem. We get to receive things that are good, and we get to live in those things, whether they're holidays or, or any other yeah. things. Um, we get to reject things that are not good, just explicit, blatant sin. We get to just say, no, we're not going to be a part of that. And in a culture like ours, that, that's going to cost you. That, that's going to cost you, cost you relational capital. And um, you know, if you say those things loudly, you will get rocks thrown at you, you know, yeah. um, virtual or otherwise. <laughs> Um, but we, and then the third way is that we get to redeem. And so uh, I think historically we've talked about, you know, Halloween. You can say, oh gosh, ghosts and ghouls, no way. You know, I, yeah. I reject that. Or you can receive it and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, my kids are dressing up as Satan and, you know, we're going to have a witch's brew. Like, yeah. or you can redeem that and just give out the best candy and, and do, you know, and, and so like, um, and so you can see how that, that kind of spectrum receive, reject. Redeem my impact. Uh, a million things as we engage in culture. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I think Jesus speaks this well. John 17, um, the, it's usually called the high priestly prayer. This is a, a little snippet of that. But I think it speaks into kind of the way he sees our role or who we are in the world. Uh, he says, um, I've given them your word. He's praying to the Father about, uh, he's talking about his, his disciples. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Uh, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. That's again, John 17, 14 through 19. And so kind of from that, uh, even that little snippet of his prayer, um, you know, we see that we are, uh, we are of the the kingdom, his kingdom, sent into the world with the word. Like those are just kind of three mm-hmm. points that we can pull from, even that little bit of a prayer. And so a lot of that, you guys want to speak to kind of what that means. Um, we are not, or what we what we're not part of. Yeah, um, man. Um, the first part of this is we're not of the world. Um, Christ is bringing about a new kingdom. It is is entering. It's not fully realized yet. But that new kingdom, there are, in that there are distinctions from the world. The world has one way of thinking, one way of living, and the new kingdom is, is very different from that. And so we will look different in some ways from the world, um, and and they will miss they will misunderstand misunderstand that they'll you know reject some of that stuff, and they won't understand. And you know we get to walk in grace with that and in humility. Um, the second part of that is um, we're not away from the world. There's no way that um, we can influence the world by God's grace if we're not present in it. Um, that doesn't mean we embrace all that they do. That doesn't mean we look like the world and all that they agree with or think. But um, Jesus didn't do that either. Like we see in his lifetime of, of 33 years, he he was very much engaged with, with what they would say is sinners, mm-hmm. uh, prostitutes, or they would, he would go to parties, but, but Jesus never sinned. Jesus never thought like that. Jesus was always calling people to repentance, um, loving people, caring for their needs. And so even though there are distinctions, like in the first part, there are also um, times when we get to engage and live amongst people. Um, and the last part is not with our words. Um, and, and God brings words to bear. We, we, we don't have a message of our own, but we have a message from God that is powerful, that does save, and that calls people to repentance. And so we have to remember that it's not me saying, hey, you need to do things differently, but it's from God. He has a message that we get to declare to them. 
Yeah, I, just the importance of, I think, those things set us apart from the world. Um, <clears throat> you know, kind of going back to the ditches you referred to at the beginning of this section, Michael, just like, man, we can either stay fully away or we can just become just like the world. And the reality is we're called to be distinct and set apart, like mm-hmm. like in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, and and so that that's significant because if we aren't both of those things, if we're not in the world... Uh, and distinct from it at the same time, we cannot fulfill their great commission. Like we're not going to make mature and multiply <laughs> disciples of Jesus. We might make disciples of culture. Yeah. Uh, we might spend lots of time with people who are already disciples, you know, and mature them. But we are not going to do both. We're, we're not going to make new disciples of Jesus and continue to mature uh, current disciples of Jesus if if we're not willing to to be both. Yeah. You know, in the same time. And the reality is, you're going to make enemies on both sides. Yeah, like that's right. what this life brings upon us. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and what Jesus says is, uh, is they the, the world hates us because they hate him, right? Yeah. Like, and that is where, um, at the end of the day, like we have to be okay with with not just uh, in the receive, reject, redeem stuff. We can't be all about being received ourselves or mm-hmm. avoid being rejected. Like we are going to be rejected um, by someone or something. And so uh, we get to, to trust and follow Jesus mm-hmm. and allow, just as Jesus bore the shame and rejected it at the mm-hmm. same time and continued forward uh, because of the joy that God had set before him, that's Hebrews 12, um, we get to do the same thing. You know, We get to cling to his words and to his people and do that together yeah. as a church. The beauty is there's a ton of freedom, and maybe you've grown up in or maybe you kind of think about the way of Jesus as this, like... Um, you know, you you ask questions like what what can I get away with, which would lead to like license and like oh man, what's what's the farthest I can go and it not be sin in this world around me, or like you're just looking for like what I can't do. Yeah. And like gosh, the the liberty of the gospel that we talked about and the the beauty of the church that we've talked about, it it liberates us in mission to like man walk in humility and gosh you know in holiness sure, but allows us to like legit engage our culture Mm -hmm. there was a thing circling around today and it was like kind of talking about the stuff and and it basically asked a couple questions like when you're trying to figure out is this okay and in this world currently that we live in uh time stamp we're we're going through a pandemic right now Mm -hmm. uh and trying to figure that out but like does the bible allow it Mm -hmm. and if the answer is no then like well then that like there it is um does my conscience allow it and like, well, I guess if the Bible allows it, mm-hmm. uh, then the next question is like, does my conscience allow it? And mm-hmm. if the answer is no, then then don't do it. Um, and then beyond that, we get to consider the effect of um, other. Uh, what is the effect on other Christians? What is the effect on non-Christians? Mm-hmm. And so we get to be mindful as we lead the church and as we are the church. How does this impact the people around me? How does this impact the church? Yeah. Uh, the image of the church, the image of Christ. But also, how does it impact the people, like my neighbors, that, yeah. that aren't believing? And that's okay, you know? So. One, Which, yeah, go ahead. Say one last thing with that. It's so, man, it's so gray sometimes. And that's why I think both of you are talking about it. But Scott, you said we have to trust Jesus because some people will say we're going too far one way to reach people. Or, mm-hmm. well, we're too much like the world and, and thinking like this or having this viewpoint. And other people will say you're not going far enough to separate yourself from the world. Right. And, and there's no way we can win with both crowds. That's not our goal. Though. Yeah. Thankfully, thankful that's not our goal. It's to try to appease. Our goal is to, to look as much like Christ and his ministry as possible. But as Mike, we said, each church has the freedom to do that in their own conscience as best as possible. Absolutely. That's And that's where local 
congregations, local communities get yeah. like they can faithfully arrive at different answers yeah. with the same with those same questions, right, or with those same mm-hmm. desires and ambitions to follow Jesus. Because I mean, yeah, and a to use the Halloween example, like there might be some some neighborhoods mm-hmm. where like. Dude, they're like legitimate, like witchcraft yeah. or people that do like that might be a real thing. And so, hey, like, don't maybe don't participate yeah. in Halloween there. But but man, if it really is just about like you know kids, famous flocking in, going from door to door, getting candy, then like okay, you you probably have some freedom to be yeah. able to do that, yeah. you know. And so that's where like I think even just from a, a big picture level, like to not see the culture that we live in, not the culture of the church, but the culture we live in, the world's culture. It's not like all 100% vehemently evil, you know what I mean, all the time. Yep. It's not as bad as it could be. Um, and so like our job is not to just pit ourselves against culture at every turn, uh, to fight culture wars you know, all the time. That's not the mission mm-hmm. of the church. Um, and on the other side, like it is, uh, it's not something just to be wholly embraced either. You know, like we just can't assume that everything that's happening in our world, because we like it or we're used to it, uh, is okay, you know, and that we get to participate in it. The reality is, like, our our culture at large is built up by individuals who are made in the image of God, and so there's going to be some echoes of things that are good uh, and, you know, uh, kind of mirror God's design in some way, and they're going to be things because it's a, a broken, fallen world that, man, they're not going to. And so that requires discernment mm-hmm. on our part, asking those questions uh, of ourselves, of our church, mm-hmm. what does it look like, and then being willing to talk about those things together. Um, as a local church, as a community group, as a, you know, whatever, like we should be doing those things and having those conversations. Um, otherwise, like we, we can't be confident that we are following God's word and all this stuff and, and living on his mission. So, um, so yeah, when it comes to uh, moving to the, the third page or whatever, like when it comes to cultural matters and, and man, what we say, what we speak into, how we address certain things. Um, certainly while like we don't expect the world around us to the non-Christian world to act like Christians, like we, that, that's not a, uh, a thing that we can expect of the world. Like we do want to be able to speak truth, um, and, and bring God's word to bear on certain things. So how are, how are maybe some of the ways we, we try to think through, Hey, what does, what, what does the church get to say about this particular thing? Or how, how do we get to have a distinct voice in this whatever cultural conversation mm-hmm. is happening at the moment? Well, I think you say it well in here, Scott. It, we get to engage in those things, but all the time knowing that's not like the main thing that yeah. we get, we're called to do. And so certainly we are invited into those things. Um, the main thing, like we've said before, is to make mature and multiply disciples. But I, I'm just going to read it because you say it so well, but cultural moments and movements provide unique opportunities to bring the word to bear in those unique situations. And yeah. so we don't want to avoid those either. I think that's the biggest thing. That's not the, the only thing, but at the same time, we are called with hope to speak into those things. Um, truth, um, and again, they might not understand it, but with love, we get to, to stand up for what God's kingdom would represent. We get to um, care for people, as many, many of those cultural moments are, are times when people are hurting mm-hmm. and there, there are victims there. And so, gosh, we get to care in a lot of ways, certainly bringing the word there caring with how we maybe even um, are generous with, with the stuff that God has given to us. So it's, it's a huge opportunity, I would say. Yeah, it's good. I think just on the highest level, I, I affirm that. Um, I affirm what you said there, Matt. That's good. <laughs> I raised my hand just to receive it. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, an easy miss is to like, and, and this we hear this culturally right now, like why do we have to speak to X, Y, or Z cultural movement or moment or whatever why can't we just preach the gospel? And like, gosh, by all means, we know that the hope of humanity is the re- redemption of mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. Uh, the redemptive work that happens 
through Jesus um, by the Spirit. And so that is not up for debate for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Absolutely. But because of that, because mm-hmm. he redeems us in, con- in context where we are, that that word and the and we get to we get to proclaim his name and his redemption and bring it to bear in specific outlets and specific context and you think about the idea of justice and 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 how uh, the gospel works it's not just this well God demands justice and or, or uh, there's this specific injustice and so we just preach that Jesus died for your sins which is great Jesus did die for your sin yeah. if you call upon his name. But that changes the way that we engage. And so one danger is to have this abstract idea, uh, this abstract theology that is, uh, and and, and it's subtle and it's dangerous that the church then exists to receive the benefits of the gospel, but those things don't ever grow legs Hmm. to impact the good of your city, the good of your neighbor, the good Hmm. of your, you know, your family. And so like uh, it is... To answer the question, how important is it to speak to cultural matters? It's very important. Mm-hmm. And the gospel speaks very specifically to, you know, every matter of the culture. Yeah. It's like when we preach the gospel, it's meant to be good news. That's really what the word means. And so for us to be evangelists, uh, to be missionaries, mm-hmm. to be servants in our communities uh, that they don't live in a vacuum, right? They live in a culture that has its ups and downs, its challenges, its struggles, it's cultural moments, <clears throat> all those things uh, that are happening. Like we get to ask ourselves, like, what does it look like for us to bring good news, the good news of Jesus, mm-hmm. like into this particular scenario, um, into this particular cultural moment that speaks volumes and points people uh, to the God who is mm-hmm. distinct and unique in so many different ways uh, that that is set apart from what the rest of the world might turn to for solutions. Yep for hope, uh, to cling to, to make themselves feel better or whatever. Like we get to, we get to point to the sufficiency of Jesus, the sufficiency of the father and the Holy spirit. Um, the, the that cultivates dependence, not just on in our own lives, but hopefully it tells people, Hey, like, I know you're hurting here. I know this mm-hmm. is a, uh, maybe a thing that you're frustrated by, you're angered by, or this is a longing that you have. And man, can I tell you about the God? Mm-hmm who sees your longings and sees your hurts and sees your sin and all those things and had, has good news to speak into all of those areas of your life. Like that's what it looks like for us to be evangelists in, you know, in our community. Does that come with saying like bad news sometimes and like being, you know, uh, sure about where our lines are drawn when it comes to sin and those things? Absolutely. Um, but, but man, we get to see ourselves as people who get to bring good news, uh, to the world. I'll add to that, and again, this is maybe another ditch that we fall into. It's it's okay. So you're like, okay, I'm not a hermit, but you might be a type, or we might be a type that is, is so knowledgeable about the scriptures that that we're, um, but but so unknowledgeable about the culture around you that you can't say truths, good news truths, mm-hmm. in ways that people can hear. Right. And so um, this. And for us, I would say specifically in the last year, for us as a staff and as elders, as a church, like I've said repeatedly, like, man, I feel like more than ever my job is to like know what culture believes and know Mm -hmm. what they feel and know what they're thinking, know where their, you know, their um, philosophies are coming from. And and we see in Acts 17, like this beautiful work of Paul, he shows up in Athens Mm -hmm. and and he's there kind of like waiting for his uh, his team, his missionary team to get there. For a couple of weeks, and he like walks the streets, and I I, I I just love the image 
of him just like walking around. You see, you read Paul as this kind of vivacious, just say it like it is. But he didn't do that. He didn't. He didn't. You know, like show up on the street in the market and just start spouting the Bible uh, that he was writing. Um, <laughs> he he listened, yeah. and so he he walked around and and when he finally was able to engage with the Athenians. He said, man, I perceive about you. You're a very religious people. Yeah, you just imagine the dialogue. Yeah, we are. Like You, you perceive well. We, we are. Like you, you have shrines and idols and gods all over this place. Yeah, you even have one over here, he says, that, that's to an unknown God. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're covering all your bases. And he's like, today I want to make him known because there's only one. Yeah. And then, like, he made everyone a little angry. and But he got invited to, to speak later on and right, started yeah. riots or whatever. You know, yeah. that's, that's what the gospel does. But, like, it's it's such a beautiful idea of what the church gets to be. Yeah. We get to read our Bibles, for pity's sake, but we also have to read the culture. Mm-hmm. It's true. And not from a, you know, what does someone in, you know, Arkansas, you know, think about this thing. Who spit, but, like, no, what are people in your city, like, yes. in your neighborhood? Like, that's just, like conversations around what's good what's mm-hmm. bad what is appropriate for us as a church to do or as a community that has to be a, a i feel like a local those are localized decisions and discernment you have to make same thing is true for your culture and where you live like because a big city life is different than mm-hmm. urban life and even cities are different depending on where they're at and who's in them and all that stuff and so for you to to truly know to, to not get uh get your pulse on culture from people that don't live in your city uh don't live you know, in your state that aren't from your neighborhood, uh, man, that's, you can get a read on culture, but it might not be your culture, <laughs> the culture mm-hmm. that you live in, or you go to the grocery store where you work, um, where you play all those things. So yeah, for, for you to like genuinely know what your neighbors and, and not from like an abstract distance, but like <clears throat> up close, even asking them, Hey, like, what do you think about, you know, what's yeah. going on right now? What do you, what do you think about that? Like, man, that, that's what Paul did. <laughs> he didn't have some abstract observation like he engaged people that were right in front of him so yeah both discipleship and mission uh those things are are localized in person incarnated things that we get to do you know so twitter is helpful for cultural (laughs) sweeps yeah it is but like conversations are helpful for your localized context absolutely yeah so i mean a few of the things that we ask when it comes to cultural issues um one, like, man, did the, did the scriptures speak to this? You know what I mean? Did the scriptures say something directly about that? Um, and so we get to open up our Bibles and see, man, does, does the Bible talk about this particular issue? Um, again, because we want to bring God's voice, God's word to bear on these things and not just our own. Um, man, so where it's clear, you know, we we let that stand for what it is. We then also ask, okay, is this, uh, is this one? Maybe we find like a verse <laughs> somewhere. Okay, well, is this like an isolated thing? Are we taking this out of context? Or man, is this something that we see from cover to cover of the Bible? Is this a, a consistent like ethic or a consistent theological uh, like root that we see from Old Testament to New Testament, creation and new creation? Uh, so ask that question and, and examine it in that way. And then, man, also like how close, uh, how closely is it tied to the gospel? Like, how does it relate to the good news of? Jesus, like mm-hmm. especially if it's something that is intimately tied to uh, to to the gospel, then man, we we might want to be more vocal uh, mm-hmm. and more like emphatic on where we draw lines around things. Um, but also, like asking that question helps us see, okay, how do we actually speak the gospel? Then, how do we say this is a gospel issue and this is the good news of the gospel <laughs> as it relates to this thing? So, those are a few questions that we can kind of ask ourselves around um, around those things for how we might try to approach them. Absolutely. So. 
Um, what do you guys want to read? Uh, have a section of Romans 14 in there. It's going to sound similar, Michael, to some of the questions you read earlier around yeah. what it looks like for us in-house, in-house debate stuff uh, as a church to walk through things. You want to read that? The us? scripture there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Thanks. Yes, I mean, there's the front that the the church has with, you know, culture in terms of, hey, there might be some lines we have to draw, some distinctions to make, some things to speak into. But then there's also... There are also differences within the church. Uh, believers think differently about lots of different things, and that's Paul's context. Is that and, right? <laughs> you may not know, but uh, <clears throat> but we do. Um, yeah, I mean, Paul was building literally a, a local, like local yeah. churches with people who have like never sat at a table together before. People who were literally enemies who had never worshipped together, who had very different religious practices, cultural practices, and he was trying to build, establish unity in these local churches and say, hey, you are one people now. And so uh, he he has to figure out how does he lead people to unity in the midst of this. And what I love about Romans 14 or, or 1 Corinthians 8 through 10, um, which is where the questions you got earlier were kind of rooted in, like, is he doesn't just say, well, this is what you should do. And this is what you should think. He literally, he instructs them on the posture of their heart and, okay, this is how you need to see each other. This is how you need to, to sift through your own heart on these things. He teaches them what it looks like to localize those conversations and those discussions and the way they live um, for themselves individually, which is, I just think is yeah. super cool. I agree. Um, do you guys want to talk about, like, uh, around those things then, like differences and disagreements that we might have in-house as believers? How do we deal with those things? Or you want to talk about, like, open-handed, closed-ended issues, anything like that to kind of Fists. flesh out? Fist. Yeah, fist. Passing of the fist. Sounds good. Um, man, first off, it's so easy when you know a, a biblical truth and somebody else doesn't. It's so easy to, to be arrogant about it. Um, just for example, like when we started learning about like predestination and all that stuff, it's like 10 years ago when I started just get like an idea of it and believe that the Bible spoke to it. And all of a sudden I found it like, oh, other people don't. Then it's like, how could you think that way? And I, I think I built it up in my mind. You guys are just fools and ignorant. And gosh, I, I'm we so... We may have just lost you there. But, but go ahead. <laughs> Anyways. But, uh, but there are there are open-handed issues and closed-handed issues. And that's language that the Bible actually doesn't really speak to. But it's how we kind of categorize things. The, the closed-handed issues are issues that pertain to theology in that, like, Jesus is God. We, we would say that, that you have to believe that in order to be a Christian, in order to be a part of the church. And there are many things like that. Like the, the, There's a trinity in, in all that Jesus is the one way to salvation. There are also open-handed issues that the Bible talks about. And, and maybe alcohol could be one of those things where maybe your conscience or you believe that it's not wise to engage in that or to drink. Other people might feel perfectly fine and see it as a gift from God. And so there are open-handed and closed-handed issues. And how we... Um, Discuss those things is really important. I think maybe Mark Driscoll said this, but for the closed-handed issues, there's no discussion. It, we take what the Bible says and we say, that's what God says. We can yeah. talk about it, I mean, but like it's, it's not like we can say, well, what do you think? And is this true? 
it's clear. Yeah. On the open-handed issues, we can discuss about it, but not divide, because our desire is to point people to Jesus and to believe truth. And it's so easy, though, to all of a sudden just pit people against each other or to, in our arrogance, think one way and, and to not be able to understand the other side. And so we get to walk with grace through those open-handed issues. We get to be patient. And then conscience in those is huge, as again, in some of those areas, it's not going to be a black or white issue, but it's going to be how does someone feel about that person? How does it affect them and their family? Yeah. And so we get to be really be gentle with those open-handed issues. Yeah. That's great. One, one thing that I've experienced in my own life is that like conscience is formed by what you believe to be true. Mm-hmm. And so you can have established uh, conscience that might, you know, again, assuming there's no sin involved or whatever, mm-hmm. might be like dogmatic um, alcohol, for, mm-hmm. for example. I know many people who like, nope, you know, I, right. I was right. raised in church. You don't drink. You know, that's yep. the way it is. Like, okay, well, that's the Bible to say about it. Yep. And so like at one point in life, that may have been a conscience issue that mm-hmm. might adapt based on how you begin to see scripture. And mm-hmm. that's okay because if you, if your conscience is the thing that's guiding, and I love Matt that you're talking about the way that you engage is like love mm-hmm. no matter what. Uh, and so it's not like, yeah, it's not fists. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but like just, yeah. So like we always continue to let the scriptures um, mold us and sculpt yep. us. And, and that's why living in community helps so much as we engage with the culture around mm-hmm. us because we get to be shaped and, and what you, you know, like, uh, yeah, your conscience might be established on pillars uh, of tradition that the scriptures would tear away over time, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, oh. yeah, absolutely. I, that's the the beauty of like again how Paul just kind of addresses this stuff is that it's uh, he basically is painting this picture of a community of people where folks can believe very different things, want to practice very different things, but they're okay to live together still in unity yep. as a local church. You know, um, and so there's room for people to have. Uh, basically to not be divisive. So this is kind of how we talk about it in terms, even like our membership covenant or whatever. We talk about, hey, like we want you to know what we believe. Read our statement of faith. Understand where we land theologically on things. We don't expect you to to line up 100% on everything that we believe, right? Um, and yet at the end of the day, like we don't want you to be divisive over it either. Meaning you can hold your opinion on things, but if you try to sway... Uh, you know, kind of like subvert what what we would teach as a local church, which we have mm-hmm. authority as elders to set the doctrine of the church mm-hmm. and how we would teach, and which which filters into how do we minister to each other, how do we care for each other, all that stuff. Um, it, if if you cannot be divisive over those mm-hmm. things, that's totally fine. It, if you do start to then like <laughs> try to subvert or whatever, yeah. that's when it becomes a, an issue. But man, there's so much room that the fences are wide for mm-hmm. you know Orthodox Christian faith to live within. So. Um, man, that said, we do have, there are some distinctives, uh, that we have as a church and, uh, I have a link to Acts 29 on the third page of, of this particular section about some distinctives that as part of the Acts 29 network, um, we do like we, uh, agree with, um, what, what the network says. And so here's a few of those things. Um, so, uh, gospel centrality in all of life. We talked about that a bunch, mm-hmm. keeping the main thing, the main thing. In all that we do, uh, the sovereignty of God and saving sinners. Mm-hmm. Matt uh, picked that fight um, a little bit ago. <laughs> Predestination, all that stuff. Uh, the work of the Holy Spirit for life and for ministry. So the fact that, man, we don't uh, not since we've been saved, it's not like we're just going about this thing all on our own. But the Holy Spirit is has gifted us and empowers us for all of life and ministry. Uh, the equality of male and female. 
mm-hmm. and the principle of male uh, servant uh, leadership, or we would say headship, um, as a local church, um, and then lo- the local church as God's primary mission strategy. So while mm-hmm. we can uh, celebrate and even partner with like other nonprofits and parachurch uh, organizations, uh, Christian groups that, that operate outside the local church, um, we believe that Jesus came to build the local mm-hmm. To build the church, which means local churches. So we will always put a, a primary emphasis on ministry through the local church. So those okay. might just be some helpful distinctives that not every other local church, not every network denomination has those same things. But just for you to know a, a bit of a flavor about where, where we might mm-hmm. say, hey, this is kind of where we land on some of those things might be helpful. I want to emphasize that last one, the, the church planting piece or the, the local church piece and the way that that shows up in local mission, mm-hmm. the way that shows up in our budget yeah. That, that we we want to give to church planting. We want to be a church that plants churches. And the way that that shows up in global mission, mm-hmm. um, over mm-hmm. the years we probably, I mean, hundreds of, hey, I, I know a missionary, and hey, you want to get coffee? My friend's, you know, going to, you yeah. know, insert foreign country. You know, like, yeah. oh, cool. And, and how many times in those conversations, because we know who we are as a church, I get to say, gosh, we are, we are so for you. And we might even give a little cash or whatever, but like in terms of long-term partnership, mm-hmm. we want to invest in the local church mm-hmm. established by by locals as much as we can. And so that is a huge part of the way that we operate. Yeah. Um, anything else around mission at all, guys, that you want to speak to before we kind of wrap up this session? That's good. Yep. Cool. Sweet. Well, um, man, this, this wraps up the third and final Village Gate session. Hopefully these three have been uh, helpful for mm-hmm. you guys to... You know, not not just hear us walk through the content, but to discuss and flesh out some stuff too. Um, if you have questions about anything, feel free to uh, hit us up. You can email us at info at myvillagechurch.com. We'd be happy to answer any questions you might have as a result of what we've gone through. Or if you're interested in attending the next Village Gate, um, there is a form on the website, uh, myvillagechurch.com. Um, there's a whole church section, uh, but there's a part that talks about membership. It'll have uh, the most recent updated version of the mm-hmm. Village Gate content links to these podcasts, all that, but also a form you can fill out to let us know if you're interested in the next Village Gate uh, actual meetup, uh, whenever that happens to be, whenever you're listening to this. Um, So you can fill that out, let us know, and we'll be sure to keep you in the loop on whenever that next meeting uh, will be. So cool. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, Again, we hope this is helpful, and uh, we'll see you hopefully sometime soon.